everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this Sunday morning edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, being Sunday morning, we talk about matters of faith. Excuse me. And I have a message for you. Uh, It is the most consuming thing on the planet right now for us to observe uh, the pandemic as it roils through the earth. I mean, We've been caught up in this vortex of the pandemic since February. And here we are seemingly without any hesitation, without any break. Here we go again. We're back right smack in the midst of it. France is about to be under lockdown. So is Germany and apparently the United Kingdom, which obviously a few months ago, the prime minister there has said that would never happen. But here in the U.S., which is the only developed country with the worst numbers of coronavirus infections and deaths, we're not worried about that. We don't seem to be concerned about the direction nationally. Instead, our leadership is concerned about having 14 rallies in three days. And studies have now shown that everywhere that he has had a rally, there have been 30,000 infections in every city. This cases have spiked by 30%. So we refer to these rallies as super spreader events. And for whatever reason that the rest of us can't fathom as to why people continue to go to open air spaces without a mask on, without observing social distancing, we don't know. People just seem to be caught up in this. Just, re- just this past week in Nebraska, of all places in Nebraska, People went to a rally and were left behind after the rally in 10 degree weather. It was 10 degrees and people were walking in the snow. In the cold, 30 people were hospitalized. And you say to yourself, there's no way that anybody else will go to another outdoor rally in the biting cold. They did it again in Butler, Pennsylvania, where again, people were left behind after the rally ended. It was only 41 degrees, but still, It was still biting cold. People had to sit and wait and were filling the streets, waiting for the police and ambulance to come so they could get a ride to their cars because he obviously did uh, have these rallies in open spaces in airfields. It's beyond being a leader out of control. It's it's someone who obviously is desperate for power and desperate to retain power at any cost whatever the human cost is. And so when you look at these things, you have to ask yourself, only God can change the trajectory of where this is going. We're doomed to fail if we continue on this path. And the only way that this is going to be contained or held in check is God. We're at that point now where we have no choice but to look up. I must have said this months ago when this first began, that that's exactly where we're headed. Well, here we are again, talking about a pandemic when it's the end of the year, we should be focused on recovery. We should be talking about how this can't happen in the spring flu season. Instead, just as the scientists had predicted, if we didn't stop, uh, if we didn't practice social distancing, if we didn't wear a mask, here we go. We're right smack roiling in the midst of it. You know how I know that the numbers are really going up because you can say the media is inflating it. But let me just interject here that the media is owned by wealthy Republicans who are interested and have vested interest in Mr. Trump retaining power. 
So they're not going to say anything against them. So despite what CNN's coverage of the coronavirus is, they also have a lot of coverage about Mr. Trump. I hardly see Biden on the news. Hardly ever. You would never think the man is running for power, but you would think his son, Hunter Biden, is running for power. Because the media is owned by wealthy Republicans who, after 2012 and the Mitt Romney fiasco, determined that the best way for them to control America's opinions is to own media. So Robert Murdoch, the owner of Washington Post, also owns the New York Post, also owns Fox News. That's Mr. Trump's best friend. That's his BFF. So they put out all kinds of negative reporting that defies journalistic integrity. Where is journalistic integrity? It doesn't exist anymore. Not when CNN gives full face coverage every day, right? So you can say, well, the media might be overstating the coronavirus, but check this out. This is how you know this is getting true. You know what's happening right now? My Facebook page, again, is telling the truth. The RIPs have started rolling in. That's right. When the pandemic, in the midst of the pandemic here in Detroit, the RIPs from COVID almost drove all of us like we, it was unbelievable, the number of Detroiters who were dying from the coronavirus. Guess what? It has started again. The RIPs have started rolling in. So we are right back where we seemingly started. We started with the coronavirus in 2020. We're going to end with the coronavirus. We started with chaos on January 3rd. We're going to end with chaos. Here we go again. It seems to me that November 3rd is a foregone conclusion now as to who will win the general elections. So the date that we're looking forward to now, we've moved the needle forward. The date we're looking forward to now is January 20th, 2021. It will seem in the next few weeks that we can't wait to get to January 20th. We're literally going to beg heaven to get to January 20th, 2021, because of what we're going to go through in the next few weeks. It occurred to me yesterday that for the first time in about a decade, Halloween, Halloween fell on a day when it didn't snow and it wasn't 10 degrees or 20 degrees. Typically every year, Halloween is like, Snowy, you can't go out to trick-or-treat because it's, you know, it's not advised and so on. This year, Halloween, we could have been out partying. <laughs> we could have been out partying, having a good time instead. Like, dang, the cases are spiking. It might not be a good idea to party. Maybe we should have a Zoom party. We get FaceTime. You know, we can do a group chat. <laughs> so instead of being out interfacing with one another, we were at home watching everybody else, hoping they'll post some pictures to show that they're trick-or-treating. Or people just put their costumes on and stood outside their door. I saw a few kids who braved it, but I was like, I ain't touching nobody. <laughs> because I'm not tempting fate. <laughs> Though I have a guarantee, I'm not tempting fate. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm hearing it. Because as my daughter reminded me yesterday, one of her friends, brother, who is maybe 30, 31 years old, he could be about 20, 29, or 30, 31 years old, he's on a ventilator and has been on a ventilator since Thursday. And while our prayers are for him, this is somebody who didn't smoke, didn't drink, young man on a ventilator, 
caught the coronavirus and is fighting for his life. That's where we end up back again in 2020. It seems like it's the twilight zone. So I had to say, well, what are we going to talk about? What does the Lord have to say? What does God have to say to his people? Because the people whom we traditionally look to, to give us instruction, to tell us what thus says the Lord, we can't trust anything coming from them now. And I'm going to show you what the Lord says about it. Because they have defied and defiled the name of God. They have done things that have made all of us question the sincerity of their gospel. We have doubted the veracity of their truth and the veracity of their speeches because of their actions. It is one thing, I've been saying this for some time now, it is one thing for me to say that I'm an ordained minister, but if the people around me don't see my lifestyle matching up with it, then I'm a liar. And the truth is not within me. Well, that is what we're seeing with a lot of these people. They claim that they know God. They claim they're called by God. In fact, the Bible will even tell you they have even had demonstrations to prove it. Like they have demonstrated or demonstrated faith actively. But when the time came for the truth, the authentic truth to be revealed, not the truth for them, not the truth according to their gospel, but the truth according to the irrefutable, irrevocable word of God. They were missing in action. Their truths could not be upheld. Take, for instance, somebody like Jerry Falwell, who claims to be the leader of a conservative university propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ, that men should not be with men. Yet he was caught in a relationship with a man and his, and his wife. And his ex-wife. They're going to get divorced at some point. It's only a matter of time. Give it a year or two before it becomes irreconcilable. Irreconcilable. Whatever. <laughs> right? Do you see what I'm saying? So, so when you look at these truths, these truths then become self-evident. And the truth of the matter is most of these people have been lying. They have held the Bible in their hands. They have re- read what it said, but they didn't live what it said. When it became necessary and when it suited their purposes, they misconstrued the words that are written in the Bible and converted it to their own interpretations to defend their actions. For instance, Christian evangelicals. Right now we're in a situation where it would be a good thing to hear the word of God, some kind of reassurance from people whom we revere, people whom we hold in high esteem in the temple. You know, the churches are temples. They're modern-day temples, right? They're modern temples. So we would love to hear what they say the Lord, but we can't accept anything that they say based on their lifestyle. Many of them are into the propagation of money and the lurid and lascivious lifestyles that come with that. But more importantly, it's their moral standing. They support a man who believes in putting children in cages A man who believes that he should remove the wombs of women so that they don't have children born in the United States. A man who believes that he should put snakes in a river that separates the United States and Mexico. He probably is going to visit that river someday. Someone should take him there to show him what it was like when he said that. A man who believes that people who don't look like him, who are not white, are descendants of shithole countries. Yes, same man who believes that women are just a tool that are available 
for his body. So the, the a woman's body is just available for him to grab women, doesn't matter how, because they will like it. So his needs are more important than a woman's needs. A man who has torn down every government institution of the United States, a man who has torn down every moral decency code that has ever existed, and yet you have Christian leaders who defend him. They defend him in pulpits. So now God is making a mockery of them. One church in North Carolina is now considered a super spreader. In total defiance of everything, they decided to have a rally. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Because they claim that God, it is against God for the people not to gather and worship God. If the Lord says you should stay home, stay the hell home, will you? Stay home. Mm-hmm. Stay home. They decided that they were going to go. <laughs> and they held a rally. And that rally has now become a super spreader event where more than 95 people have been infected as a result, stretching over two states. The same thing happened here in Brighton, Michigan. They had a rally. That other church had a rally. 14 people were infected, and then the contact tracing is proving more and more people. Why? People in total defiance. So I want to bring you to this point where I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 43, And you can follow along if you don't. I'm just going to break it down for you. So Isaiah chapter 43, and I'm going to start reading from verse 19, right? And it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Verse 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is a comfort I find for people who have lost family members. Many of us, some people have lost their nearest and their best. My sympathies are with you and my condolences. Some people have lost spouses who were their only contributor to their family's income. They were the people who worked right through the pandemic and went out to provide for their families. People have lost their emotional support, the matriarch of their families. My Facebook page is now replete with RIPs to grandmas and moms and pops and grandpas and uncles and great uncles and great aunts, the people who are the support systems of our family unit, the people who have been there and who can tell us to hold on in times when times get tough because they have lived long enough to see that situations change. Those are the people we're losing. And then to connect to that, the young people, who perhaps is an engineer, who perhaps can be someone who has an answer to the issues of our time. I am telling you right now that this is going to change. So listen up. In verse 20, it says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the waste. And I'm continuing verse 19. And in verse 20, it says, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, the chosen. you got to be careful with that. To give drink, that means no matter what comes, whatever chaos will ensue after the elections on November 3rd, and people will feel that they didn't get the answer that they desired or the answer they anticipated or the answer they think they deserved. Whether they're going to gather in rallies 
and wait for instructions. And when the instructions don't come, or whether the instructions come that say to the governor of Michigan to go lock her up and to go liberate Michigan that sent us into turmoil, causing people to make a threat on her life. Big Gretch, we got you. You are still our governor. We got you. We're praying for you that God will take you through the season. She's strong and courageous and she's tending strong for Michigan, right? And so we have to look at when all of this chaos will ensue after. It's only a few days. It's two days to the election. Today Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. The elections are going to be determined on the 3rd. Some people are not going to like the act, not going to like it. They're going to do all kinds of things to say ballots are not counted and we're going to file. And there's just going to be chaos because the other side is going to say, no, you can't determine that. You have to count every ballot that was in. And that's going to cause more and more confusion. And the faith that has been put in the tested electoral system will have to be rebuilt. Do you see the chaos that is going to come? The chaos against government institutions. When you see members of your own cabinet and members of your government agencies not supporting the incumbent, you know something is wrong. You know that something is wrong. This is a system that has gone AWOL. This is a system that has gone totally chaotic. So if the system that are supposed to ensure our safety are gone chaotic, what do you think the people in the streets are going to do when they're waiting on their leader? Because they're showing up for him. They're showing up for their leader. They're going to rallies knowing that they will get the coronavirus because they believe what he said, that it's a hoax. He's a 74-year-old man who is propped up by so many drugs. I don't even know if he's rewriting. They probably drew his blood out and gave him new blood so he's walking around thinking he's a king and he's all conquering. Meanwhile, a regular Joe goes into the hospital with coronavirus and is dead on a ventilator. This dude is walking around. So, of course, they're going to believe the coronavirus is a hoax until they get it and end up on a ventilator. And then they die. Then their family members blame the other side, blame politics. Oh, my God, the chaos that will ensue. And out of this chaos, God is saying, behold, I do a new thing. He's going to make ways and streams in the desert when everything looks like it's going to be up in arms. God is going to bring order to the chaos. Things are going to change. When you look at how did this go so wrong in four years, what we have taken over 250 years to build, how did it get torn down in four years? That's how you know the system has got to change. We're a new country and a new democracy. We're kind of still learning because there's no established precedent for a democracy in history. We're the longest lasting democracy in history. We're still new at this. So we are learning and we're going to change because we have learned now that you can't put so much power in the hands of one person. Formally, we did that because apparently we had people of integrity, even though we didn't think so, because that just shows you how high our standards were. So we thought that when you put people in the office, they come to respect what is there and what should be done. We found that that's not so. The people liked a showman. They wanted a reality star. 
They wanted somebody who was in your face and who tell it like it is, because after all, the rules don't apply to me. I am white, so the rules don't apply. And they wanted someone who sounds like them and reaffirms them. And they got it to the dismay of the rest of us. That while that might not sound good on a campaign trail, the reality of government is different. The reality of governing according to established procedures and precedents is very different. Following along with established precedents, how we conduct ourselves internationally with others and how we conduct ourselves internally with ourselves. Chaos. And that chaos is not going to end on November 3rd. That chaos is going to continue. And it's going to take some time before things calm down. Watch this. And so in Isaiah chapter 43, it says, verse 21, it says, To the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my, pr- my praise. You have not called on me, Jacob. That's us. We never called on God. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings. This is the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they used to bring sacrifices to God. So in the New Testament, what does that mean? It means you never prayed to me. You never honored me. You never called on me and asked me to show you a leader. All these Christian people who are Bible thumpers and the Bible belts. Did you all really go and really pray about this man four years ago? It was staring in your face and glaringly that it, he was not the chosen one. Some people even said he God sent it. They referred to the previous outgoing president as an antichrist. Because he embraced the rights of all people. This president disregarded the rights of even the own people in his own country. And Christian leaders. Nobody said, let's go pray about it. You know what they said? He's white like us. Let us put, even when he was doing the most horrid things, even today, still supporting him. Look at the land of Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu is someone who should never run Israel again. Here he is being propped up. And look what he has done. It was Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, who almost sent us into World War III. It was he who called the president and told the president that the Iranian general was doing something wrong when the intelligence reports that went to the president that spoke something totally different. The president listened to Netanyahu and almost sent the country into war. I cannot begin to imagine the repercussions that that is going to create when this administration changes. I cannot begin to imagine. Because we have to examine ourselves and say, wait, what is our process here? Are we still going to elect people who are barely there mentally, who have no grasp? Are we going to give them some sort of indoctrination and make sure? Are we going to change the requirements for being a president that you should at least have a bachelor's degree in government? Are we going to say you must have demonstrated understanding of the process of government? Are we going to require that you at least have served in some capacity and that not because you're a popular, that means you can run? Remember Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a popular leader, wasn't he? Yeah. Ronald Reagan was popular, but guess what he was? He was an actor, but he was also what? He was also governor of California. What does that tell you? He had 
some ideas of how government structures and government agencies work and how to diplomatically work with everyone and not anger anyone. Ronald Reagan did that. So by the time he ran for president, though he was a popular former actor and well-known to the silver screen, he had also ran the state of California. We have to change. There is going to be change. We're going to have to look at how do we appoint people to lifetime positions that have record ramifications going on. The Supreme Court is interfering in the election by saying some states can't count ballots, showing partisanship. So the question you have to ask yourself, so the Supreme, if a case comes up before the Supreme Court that is, is going to be biased towards their party and their favorite party, they're not going to vote. So if it involves me, I am literally screwed. There's change coming. And this change is orchestrated and ordered by God. He's telling us why. Listen to this. He says right here, you have not called on me. You didn't weary yourselves. That means we didn't wear ourselves out asking God for help. We didn't offer him any sacrifice. The sacrifice we could have offered him right now is just the sacrifice of our attention. If we could have just taken our attention off of ourselves and off of our million-dollar tax returns that black celebrities are propagating, they don't like me because I talk about them, because I call them out on their BS. They're total baloney and foolish to think they're siding with the oppressor, and they are the oppressed. And they think because they have enough money that they're going to participate in the Hunger Games by being in the stands instead of being on the field. I have news for you. It ain't going to work that way. So here's what God is saying. None of you all made any sacrifice. None of you called on me. None of you determined that this was something that required your attention. Instead, you, I burdened you. He said, what, what did I do to deserve your lack of attention? I love this part. It says, he says right here in the scriptures, I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands. You have not brought any, bought any fragrant stuff for me or lavished on me. He said, but you've burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. So just, this is Jesus. This is, this is the father sitting up there. Oh my God, I can't take this one more time. If I hear of another one of them. In other words, he says, but you, you didn't bring me the attention. You didn't acknowledge me as God. But at the same time, you, you keep asking me for forgiveness for your sins. You wearied me by offending me. You propagated my name. And then you disgraced my name. You had priests having sex with children in, in places that you put my name on. You had priests raping women, fathers, priests pastors, youth pastors, whatever they are. You had them doing everything that was immoral and immoral in my name. But you, when you were having it good, you didn't call on me. You didn't even give me the sacrifice of your time. In today's dispensation of grace, the grace that we've been given by Jesus Christ is not, does not require us to go kill a lamb and put it on the, on the altar. But it does require us to put ourselves on the altar by spending time with God. Five minutes of your time saying a prayer. All by your lonesome with the TV off, the phone turned down. Put the phone down. 
spend some time praying. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a need. Just an acknowledgement that, God, I would not be in this position if it weren't for you. You might be sitting on the Supreme Court this morning. You might be somebody who is sitting in a high seat of government. When was the last time did you take the time to say, God, I would not be here without you? When was the last time you said, Father, I have a decision to make and I need your help? How shall I go? Which way shall I go? When was the last time? No, you didn't acknowledge God. But all your sins, having sex with people you are not married to, having sex with multiple people in your bedroom whom you are not married to, Having sex with people you shouldn't be having sex with, like 12 and 13-year-old and 5-year-old children. Watching porn on the internet. Not taking care of your families. Absconding from your responsibilities. Not paying child support. Not supporting your families. Not paying your taxes so that the rest of the society can go on. Hello. Those are sins too. Sins of omission. We're held accountable. Not just by the sins we commit, but by the sins we don't commit. Watching others, watching while your own white brothers and sisters disgrace and beat up black men in the streets and not saying anything about it. Pointing guns at unarmed protesters and then saying that you have a right to do it because of your faith. No, God never told you that. God is going to pull down, pull you down too. That couple in, in, in St. Louis, they're going to be pulled down. Watch. You held them up. As bastions and as leaders of the people, they held guns on unarmed protesters who were walking past their house. They were not a threat to their house. They were walking past. Did they stop on their front lawn? But you go on and say you're a moral code. Watch this. Change is coming. I, even I, am who he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. So he's asking us, review the past for me and let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. State the case for your innocence. God is saying, let us review the matter. Let us review the matter. Let's argue the matter. You know, when they present God, they have a way of presenting God like he's some grandfather up there, like a robot. You just, you know wind him up and he just does whatever you say. They don't tell you about this part where he says, let us argue the matter together. You know what that means when he says argue the matter together? What does that mean? Come and state your innocence. Come before me and tell me where I, God, messed up. Where I, God, didn't do what you asked me to do. Where I didn't help you when I wasn't there to hear when your father was sick, your mother was sick, when you were about to lose your business, when your child went astray, when your parent was going to leave you, when your father left you, when your mother left you, when your wife cheated, your husband cheated. Come talk to me when disease was roiling through your body. And I didn't. He said, come, let us argue the matter together. Because if we enter into an argument with God, God's going to win every time, all the time, because he's always there like this. Did you ask me? Have you ever been in a place where you went and made a decision? And then when the decision backfired and you said, maybe I shouldn't have done that, you heard a little voice say, did you ask me? That still silent voice within that nowadays they want to tell you that you're hearing voices and you're schizophrenic. Maybe some of us need to listen to the still small voice within the voice of our conscience. That is the voice of God driving us, directing us, and guiding us. But we don't want to hear that today. So we listen to modern-day psychics, because that's what they are, psychotherapists. They're modern-day psychics 
who like to dredge up the past and bring stuff up before you that you can never be healed from. And then they medicate you and put you under medication and put you under subjection to their will. Because the state says, the laws of the state say what? That if you're under treatment from a psychiatrist, the psychiatrist has the power to call you up and get you locked up and institutionalized. But that's who you subject yourself to, your therapist. When you next go to a therapist, you need to examine them. Go read upon who these people are. What's their background? Who are they? Show some mercy. You need a therapist who does not have other people in therapy, who does not have other people chained to tactics and chained to medication that they can't rid themselves of. That's not effective therapy. You need to go read up on the next therapist because that is part of the problem. Because, see, we stop going to priests because the priests defiled the name of God. So we start going to therapists. See, once upon a time, you see how the priests defile the name of God. They've been doing it for centuries, by the way. They call women into sin. Women should be submissive to men who were beating us up in our homes. That was never God. Hello, you heard me right? Yes, Second Corinthians says submit yourself. But did you read the whole text? It says, what does it say? Husbands, love your Wives, as Christ so loved the church. Nobody ever preached that. Nobody ever expounded and expanded on that. But they told women to stay in abusive marriages. That's why women walked away from the church. They told us to stay there while men were raped, or the men we married to, we were married to, raped and pillaged us, raped and pillaged the maids, raped and pillaged the women around us and the children around us. And they told us to still stay there. That's what the priests were saying. So the people left. So we took up a different group of therapists now. The ones who write medications, synthesize medication that when it goes in our blood, it gives people hallucinations. People are murdering people at rates that you can't believe. People are killing people, raping people. So much porn on the damn internet. Why is that so? Because you're all med super medicated. That's who we subjected ourselves to. So God is saying, hey, did you ask me? When all these priests were acting out, we took their word that they were the servants of God. It never occurred to us to go read the Bible for yourself. Those of us whom it occurred to, we walked away when we realized that what they were saying did not line up with this truth. They had a different truth according to their order that they prescribed that suits them because at the end of the day, there's a hierarchy and they're at the top and you're at the bottom. So you are supposed to follow whatever they said. And those who didn't follow were excoriated and ostracized and ridiculed and thrown out because they did. So God said, watch this. You're coming up to it. You're you're building up. You're getting there. Watch what God says about those people. After saying, let's argue the matter together. Did we argue all these things with God? No. Your first father sinned. All right. You want to talk about that? Because many of us are under the mistaken belief that our fathers and our parents, we kind of romanticize them, did not sin. Hello, they were human just like you and I. They did a lot. They were the ones who held us by our noses. They robbed and killed people so we could sit back on millions. They raped women. They had sex with people they shouldn't have. They made deals with people they shouldn't have so we can sit back today and have millions. When we collected their millions, did we sit back and say, Father God, Forgive me for collecting this ill-gotten gain. I'm living off it. Help me. No. You went to buy a Birkin bag for five grand while children right down the street from you are starving. Watch this. Those I sent to teach you rebelled against me. 
Did you hear that? So all the evangelical preachers out there, you all ready for this? You all rebelled against God. All you evangelical preachers out there who are claiming to hang on to a man who has put children in cages, robbed women of their rights to have children by removing their their equipment, removing their wombs, who wanted to condemn people into moats and into rivers filled with snakes to kill them off who sent and fired shots on his his own citizens. You disgraced God by supporting that. You disgraced God when you were having sex as soon as you took your robes off and went behind the pulpit. You had sex with people you weren't married to. You stood in front of the people and preached one gospel, but practiced a whole different thing. As soon as you were done preaching, you went and made a deal with politicians that was not in keeping with what you just preached. You knew people were hurting and you did not raise a finger. People came to you and told you that their husbands and their wives were beating on them, that their children were beating on them and you did nothing about it. People came and confined to you that their homes were war zones, just like the war zones around the world, and you did nothing about it. The Lord says you have rebelled. God called you to teach to the people the very same things I'm telling you today, but you violated that by supporting another leader who almost sent the United States into war. Guess what? So I disgraced the dignitaries of your temple. So now you know why so many preachers are being called out and there are more to come. There's another big one coming. He's about to be disgraced prancing on the stage, jumping up all over the place. God is about to reveal every one of them. It's going to be revelation after revelation, how this one did that. Watch what 2020 brings. God is going to disgrace every one of them because they violated the covenant between them and God. Everybody who is called by God has a covenant that God has given you as an instruction manual. He tells you what to say, what to do. He tells you, walk this way, say this, do this, do that. Most of the time, <clears throat> we ignore that. We don't listen to that. And every time you do, you fall. And you keep falling. And you keep falling. But the words you're saying sound so good to some people that they prop you up and they pay you to keep going and going until finally you don't hear that still small voice within anymore. That voice totally is silenced. You know what has happened? The voice went away. God stopped speaking. He left you to make your own decisions. Because now... You have rebelled against him. That's the judgment. Judgment is coming. These next few months are going to be filled with judgment. All these preachers, all of them, prancing around, walking around like they're gods. And they're like, this is a violation. No, it's not. You violating God because you rebelled against this teaching. The Bible says that we are to respect our leaders. But then we're supposed to elect leaders who are deserving of our respect. You can't know that a man is a multiple uh, a violator and you still elect him. Companies don't appoint CEOs who are three times married with multiple baby mamas. Did you know that? CEOs of companies, they don't do that. At most, he would be on his second marriage. More often than not, you find a CEO who has been married to the same woman for a long time. There is a reason for that. There's a moral code that they're kind of sticking to. 
<laughs> they don't care now if he's married to a man or woman. But what they're looking at is the character of the person. So how are we going to, we say we're a Christian nation. How are we going to elect leaders who don't evidence that? You know, you look at the Biden campaign and, and you wonder, I, I said to myself, why are they focusing so much on his family life? Why are they showing that the reason he's married to Jill is because his first wife perished in an accident? Right? It's, there is a reason. They're trying to show you that he has a moral code, that he has a certain way of life. He didn't marry three times. He married the second time because his first wife died in an accident. He didn't kill her. So there's no cover-up. There's no uncertainty. He, she died because she was in an accident. So he married someone else, started a whole new family with someone else, and brought his young boys into that union. Now the, all the grandkids just call her Nana. They're showing you that there is a moral code. We got to be careful in this next season whom you elect to positions of power, whether it's at the local level, the national level, the state level, but also within our communities. Who is the leader of the block that you are on? Who is your block club leader? Who is the leader of the homeowners association? Who is the leader of the PTA? Who is the leader of the city council? We got to start going back to basics and start looking at people. You appoint people to a church, you know anything about them? How many times they've been married? Who they've been married to? What have they done in between? <laughs> we got to start asking these tough questions because people, many are called, but few are chosen. And the Lord is very clear in his instructions here. And that's why you understand now why most of these preachers don't read what? The Old Testament. Now you get it. The only verse they're really familiar with in the Old Testament is what? Malachi 3 and 8. Because the Old Testament holds us to a standard. You can't be doing one and not understand the other. We can't live in the New Testament without understanding how we got there. We didn't become America overnight. We became America because we fought. We became America because we enslaved people to create our wealth. We became America because we subjugated said people. And now the accounting time has come. We have to give an account. We built our wealth on the backs of enslaved people. And now the, those very people, their descendants and the bones are rising up and saying it's time for reparations, it's time to be repaid. We didn't expect to just go out there like that. It just wasn't going to continue like that. We've been a world leader since the 1940s, since World War II. There is a greater accountability. Russia is a threat to the stability of Europe. We can't afford to sit back on our haunches and let Nazism or some other form of it take the world over again. Europe is left bereft and empty without our protection. And if Europe is unstable, what does it mean for the rest of us? That means they can pick up arms and point it over here. Because after all, we're only, what, three, 5,000 miles away. Weapons travel in less time than that. No, our we the weapons they use is a virus they send to your computer that can disable and disintegrate our system. We can't just elect people because we like them, because we like their personality, because they're bombastic and they have reality shows that propagate lies. Since when we haven't woken up, Hollywood is a whole bed of lies. Hollywood is make-believe. Why didn't you think that was make-believe? Now we're being held accountable for this stuff. 
We're all in anxiety, waiting on November 3. November 3 is not the date you need to worry about. The date we need to worry about is January 20th. How is that going to roll around? What are we going to do between now and then? If we had thought on these things before, on November 6, 2016, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have a pandemic that has killed almost 230,000 people and counting. We have surpassed the daily average of cases, and the cases are going up. In Utah and Wisconsin, there are field hospitals, and we're not at war. This is not a war zone where we have to have field hospitals. And the president is still having super spreader rallies where people are getting infected by 30% in every place that he has been seemingly oblivious because all he's concerned about, he has the best medical care in the world, surrounded by the best doctors. He's in an insulated bubble on Air Force One. He does not care about the people. And what you all do, you all sit back and let this happen. And then now what we're going to say to God? What is our accountability? None. Because the very priests who should have heard from God and who should have helped us and guided us, they were disgraced. They rebelled against God. What is true? The Bible says, think on these, whatsoever is good, whatsoever is kind, whatsoever is loving. Did they use that standard to apply? No, they didn't. What has happened? Here we are in a pickle. And you think November 3 is going to solve that? No. Nah. Change is going to come. And here we go again. How are we going to change this? This has gone out of whack. Completely out of whack. How are we going to solve this? Somebody posed on my Facebook page that how on God's green earth are we going to stop the coronavirus? Good question. And I'm glad you asked. Because that's the same question I find myself asking. How are we going to stop it? Because my friends, the reckoning has come when it is attacking our children. That's when it has come. When our children can't go to school, they can't do face-to-face instructions. If face-to-face instruction is the way we win, thank God for online learning. Places like University of Phoenix and all the other schools, they're all enjoying it now, aren't they? Because all the Big Ten schools are like, we propagate and that's and that. Come off your high horses. Let's get down to basics. Because you know what it's going to take? It's going to take all of us to fix this. People are going to come down out of the hills with guns. They're going to be sad that they're a bombastic reality show leader who exemplifies their beliefs. Didn't win. And they're going to call it out. (coughs) And what's going to happen? We're going to have to pray. You better start praying. We're going to have to pray that God keeps us through all of this. That through the unshakable moments, they're going, to, they're going to question the veracity of the election. And he's going to declare himself the winner, nonetheless. <clears throat> it's going to take a while for all the votes to be counted. Some states, are going, some states like Michigan are going to have to stand up and insist. That's what's going to happen. He's not going to give it up. It's going to be pure chaos right up until <clears throat> the time comes. Halloween is a joke. It's going to be the real Halloween is in front of us. A nightmare is in front of us. But after that, there will be change because we're going to have to fix this so it never happens again. After that, the change will come. 
But we're going to have to go just like our ancestors went through a violent upheaval in order to achieve this democracy, to maintain this democracy. We're going to go through an upheaval that is like something we never thought we would see in our lifetime. We never thought the very system of agency and government that we have come to rely on and are the stand-all and the, 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 the pillars of our democracies, where they're going to be questioned in the coming weeks. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to know that we know that we know that our founding fathers were not wrong. They were not wrong when they put their hands on the Bible. When we committed ourselves to God, that's how we're going to get our answer. Change is coming. But I don't know that we're going to like the process to that change. Thanks so much, everybody. My name is Harriet Kemmick. Thanks so much. Be blessed.